we present another episode of your own serial, Castlewick Light. The vicar's future is now in the hands of the bishop, with even the national newspapers carrying stories of his behaviour. John Goff is awaiting the arrival of his brother Richard from Canada. Meanwhile, Clive and Beth now have a site for their health food shop and the possibility of financial backing. Down at the Castlewick Light, the newly furbished kitchens are being inspected following the recent fire. Can't blame them, Billy. After all, we did have a fire in the kitchen. You've got to be more careful. Frying chips isn't exactly an ideal occupation for someone who's blind. Maybe not, maybe not, but these are your regulations. Nitpicking, if you ask me, Marge. At least we passed. All your womanly persuasion, love. Or was it the thousands we spent on radio in the kitchen, come to think of it? You cheeky devil. Hey, get off. This is no time for assaulting the landlord. You lovely great bear, hey, you. Now, now, dear. You're stopping me getting on with my work. I've got some crates to get up from the cellar. Oh, Billy, knock it off. Jeremy will be here in a moment. He'll do it for I you. can manage. I know you can, but you'll do your back in next. You're so blooming obstinate, Billy Meredith. Hi, <laughs> life in the old dog yet. Stop pinching my bottom, you naughty man. Aha, come down to the cellar with me, you buxom witch. Billy, leave me alone. Now look what you've done. One of our glasses smashed. And you will have to clear it up, won't you, love? Seeing as I won't be able to find the pieces. Oh, you're dreadful. You really are. Morning, all. Morning, Jeremy. You've just come in time to save me from this mad husband of mine. Be a dear and help him with the crates in the cellar. Blemming slave driver. That's what you are, love. Poor man's only just stepped through the door. Well, we'll just have to wait and see what the bishop decides to do, Eleanor, dear. You know, George, I was all for getting rid of Father Marsh to begin with. But now that even the national press is hounding the poor man, I'm starting to feel rather sorry for him. Oh, don't waste your sympathy. After all, if it wasn't for the fact that he's a clergyman, nobody would take any notice of it. Eleanor, my dear, you yourself said that because of his position, his conduct must be above reproach. I know I did, and I still think it. But, George, that awful article in the news of the world. Well, just you think of the people whose trust he's abused, including you and me. Well, I suppose so. And what about the Taggarts and the Palmers, finding their private life splashed across everybody's breakfast table? And how do you think they feel? I know, George. It's awful. Poor Mary. Well, then, I wouldn't shed any tears for Father Marsh. Let's hope the church shows some decisiveness for a change and take some positive action to put its house in order. You're beginning to sound like Dorothy Peggs. I can't see why the whole matter couldn't have been handled more, well, more discreetly. Well, that's exactly what we were trying to do until the papers got their teeth into it. And anyway, you've got to admire Dorothy Peggs. She's a woman with great sense of principle, and she's not afraid to go on the offensive, no matter what other people think. That's what bothers me, dear. She's an elderly spinster, used to getting her own way with small children. Somehow she comes across so hard, so lacking in compassion. Nonsense, nonsense. I mean, the children at school adore her. I know they do. She's very good with children, younger ones. 
But once they've left her school and turned into teenagers, they all avoid her. And she's hopeless with adults. So abrasive, so abrupt. Like someone else I know. Who on earth are you thinking of, George? Not me, I hope. Oh, no, 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 not in a million years, my dear. No, Dorothy's match in selfishness is our own daughter. Ruth? Oh, George, that's not fair. Yes, it is, and you know it is, dear. I've never thought of Ruth in that light. Well, when does she ever show any love and compassion towards her ageing parents? Well, she's busy. They all are at that age. You know, the pressures on young families these days are much greater than in our time. Now you are talking nonsense, dear. We got married when this country was still picking itself up and dusting its knees after the war. Well, I don't know. You've done it all your life, you know, Eleanor. Done what? Well, made excuses for Ruth. You've made a rod for both our backs. She's grown up into a selfish little madam, and she doesn't give a damn about us, her children's grandparents. Well, I've had enough, and it's about time that daughter of mine was reminded of her responsibilities and her loyalties. George! Whatever's got into you? Some sense, that's what. Ever since you got involved with Dorothy Pecks and her principles, you've become so hard. Well, I'm fed up with Ruth treating her own mother like a doormat. It ought to stop. It's going to stop. We're not getting any younger. Something's got to be done before it's too late. Well, I don't understand why you want to, John. This is a lovely shop. Village atmosphere, personal service. No reason why it can't go on being like that, Alice. But I've got to move with the times. If I don't modernise things a bit, that damned health food sin is going to clean me out. But a supermarket... Oh, don't worry. It's not a mammoth affair like Tesco's or Spa's. Now, look here. We can knock this wall down here. Use the storeroom at the back, shelves across here, and down here. Yeah, so you knock through to the storeroom... And where do you keep the stock? Out the back. We can put an extension into the yard. It's only a dump back there. It's never used for anything. Covered over? Of course. Probably with a freezer in for the perishables. And a nice big frozen food cabinet against the wall here. Oh, I see. Not bad now I come to think of it. And where do I come in? Well, instead of serving the customers like we do now, you and I mark up the prices and all the goods with those sticky labour machines. Oh, and the customers help themselves and bring it to the checkout, which is me. You've got the idea. Over in the corner by the door. Everybody's doing it these days. Well, you're going to need baskets and trolleys and... Oh, I know, I know. I've been finding out about suppliers. No problems. There's just one. Just one what? Problem. What's that? Money. I don't know how much you make, John, and I wouldn't dream of asking, but I don't see how you're going to afford all this. Ah, well, that's where my brother comes in. Richard? The one from Canada? Exactly. He's been making pots out there. Now, if I can persuade him to come in as a sleeping partner... Oh, you mean he lends you some capital, and you give him a share in the profits? Oh, blimey, you are quick, Alice. Never thought you'd know about high finance. Oh, I don't really. But Tom's old dad did something like that when they wanted to expand the fishing business. Needed a second boat. Worked out fine. So it all depends on Richard. You haven't seen him for 20 years, have you? 
he may have turned into one of those tight-fisted millionaires. Well, <laughs> he never was very easy at the best of times. We were never exactly uh, bosom pals, but I'll give him a good time and then take him out for expensive dinner to soften up. No point in not giving it a try. Well, I'll back you up. You can count on that. Oh, no, you will, Alice. You're the tops. Well, I don't know what my Tom will say. He's thinking of going in with Chloe. What? You never told me! Doing what? Freshly caught fish. Oh, no problem. They do fish, we do meat. Maybe a small delicatessen. Oh, well, yes, that makes sense. So it all depends on Right. It all hinges on whether Richard will play ball or not. The future of this business is in his hands. Now, sit down, Clive, and listen. What? First time we've been alone together for days and you want me to sit down and listen? I tried to speak to you in your office last week, but you were so excited about your foreign investor. Well, yes, I, I thought you'd be pleased. I mean, it's not signed, sealed and delivered yet, but he's coming down to Castlewick to have a look at Calvin's old shop. And if he likes it, then bingo. Green light for the health foods. I mean, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? Yes, but... There you are, then. Why all the drama? Listen, Clive, and you might find out. Sorry, Beth. It's thoughtless of me. Now, what's on your mind, darling? Not now, Clive. Do sit down, please. This is difficult enough without... Without you... Without me making love to my beautiful entrepreneur partner. Look, Clive... Right. I'm sitting down. And I'm listening. Thank you. All ears, that's me. Clive. Sorry. Do shut up. This is a serious matter. Well, of course. All business is. And that sums up what I've got to say. Well, now you've left, lost me, Beth. Mixing business with pleasure, with personal relationships. What? What do you mean? Clive, it won't work. What won't work? You know very well what I'm trying to say. You mean... us? Yes, us, Clive. You know I'm very fond of you. And you've been so sweet since Jeremy and I moved to Castlewick. Fond? Sweet? I love you, Beth. We sleep together. I thought you oh, felt... Oh, Clive, I don't know what I feel. All I know is that I don't want to lose Jeremy. Jeremy treats you like dirt. Perhaps he does. But he's been under a lot of pressure. Losing his job, thinking he's losing me... Depression? Drink? And that's why he took the job at the light, I suppose. Ideal for an alcoholic. He probably drinks more than he sells. Not a bit. He's right off alcohol at the moment, which means he's feeling a lot worse. And you've no right to sneer. You seem to forget that you're talking about my husband. So what you're telling me is that it, it's over between us. No, not exactly, but... Oh, look, I don't want to hurt you, Clive. Oh, leave it out, Beth. I wasn't born yesterday. Clive... Well, if that's what you want... It isn't, but... I want what is best. You want to have your cake and eat it. Well, you can't, my sweet. Life's not like that, nor am I. What are you saying, Clive? The deal's off. But I thought we were just about to exchange contracts on Calvin's place. I am, but you're not. If you think you're too bloody good for me, well, then I can do without excess baggage in my business activities. Well, that's an awful thing to say. Well, you should have thought it through, shouldn't you? I'm not a puppet dancing to anyone who plays a pretty tune. Oh, you... you... Get out! Get out of my home, Clive Blades! With the greatest of pleasure. Oh, damn. What have I gone and done now? Where to, love? Nowhere. Oh, I'm meeting the train. Oh, I'm being rushed. 
given the announcement made to a passenger arriving on the London train. You'll have to be quick. It's just coming in now. So where do I go? Station master's office. Down there on the right. You can't miss it. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, love. Well, you can't give yourself a bit more time, Uncle. train now arriving on platform two is the 1840 from London. Mind the doors, please. This is Sternbridge. Sternbridge. Change here for all stations to East Shore, Wixham and Ollingbourne. Passengers for West Shore should remain in the front half of the train. British Railways would like to apologise again to all passengers that Buffet Car was not operational on this service as advertised. And your attention once again, please. We have a message for a passenger arriving on the 1840 from London. Would Mr. Richard Goff please report to the ticket office where Mr. Clive Blake's secretary is waiting to meet him. Would Mr. Richard Goff, travelling on the 1840 from London, please report to the ticket office where Mr. Clive Blake's secretary is waiting to meet him.